several texts along the way. So I'm going to give you just a couple seconds, just real quickly. Turn your affection here and start turning your attention towards God's Word. I'm so appreciative to have an opportunity to share God's Word with you. Does that make sense? I'm grateful for the Word of God today. Grateful for the Word, right? Right? And I want to ask you today to just turn your attention to God's Word and let the Word of God speak to you. And I know that today, any time that a pastor takes a stand and says, you know, I'm going uh, to, takes a platform and says, you know, I'm going I'm to do a teaching or I'm going to share about tithes or offerings, anything that's monetary related is always uh, met with mixed response. And this is just from me being a pastor for 20 years. And, and so I know of, of how easily distracted your mind can be right? And part of the reason is, is this right here. Every one of us have formed opinions as it relates to giving and receiving, and especially as it relates to giving or tithing to a local church. Every one of us have formed opinions related to it. The thing that I have as a pastor, I have a responsibility in love to challenge even those opinions, because an opinion can also be an argument, Right? And the scripture tells us to cast down imaginations, cast down arguments, high things that exalt themselves in our minds. If it's, if it's contrary to the word of God. Now, your opinion is one thing. God's word may be another thing. Right? And, and as a believer, I want to, be, I want to, I want to make sure that, that you're hearing the word and that you're, you have an opportunity to, to see what maybe our eyes see. Or many of us in this room see. And, and then, that, then it's left to you. You have to work your own salvation out with fear and trembling, right? Right? And so I want to ask you to pray with me today. I'm going to be ministering in this context the purpose of, which is continued from last week, of the tithe, but also promises related to the tithe. And notice I didn't say giving today, even though I often say the giving of tithes and offerings or say New Testament giving, but I am looking under the context of the, of the Old Testament tithe. And the tithe simply means a tenth, a tenth. And ancient Israel practiced bringing in a tenth of their produce or of their livestock, or the Bible says of whatever God blessed them with, to the temple in Jerusalem. And, and we're looking at that and see, does some measure of that make application to us in the New Testament church? Is that fair? That's kind of what we're going, you know, going about. And I also shared with you that I had three, I had each week I would kind of, a ta a, a go and, and speak about three arguments. I wrote down what I believe were nine arguments or reasons why some people don't practice tithes and offering, and I'm going to address those three of those today again as well. Father, I love you, and I'm grateful to be in this house, privileged to have such an unbelievable church family to be able to share your word with. God, and as I have been excited about the things that you have shown me in your word, let, it, Father, be able to, uh, let me be able to share it in a way that it's easily received. That's my prayer. Let it be easily received in the hearts and lives of each individual here. And let me have as much excitement on sharing it as I did in receiving it, Father, when you gave me these truths, God. It's in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. So just very, very quickly, just in this particular context, as I just begin to go into a biblical, again, uh, study slightly in the context of is, is, it, is tithe in the New Testament, is that something that the church in the New Testament should practice in comparison to ancient Israel 
And, and, and certainly I'm going to hopefully help uh, evolve or, or develop a thought line along that way as I minister today. But I did say last week that I sat down in my personal private devotions after pastoring for 20 years and being in the ministry for even many years prior to that, that um, of, of kind of and I, what I mean by argument, the thoughts that's been in our mind. Some of these may have been in my mind even as I was learning this process of tithing and learning an expectation of tithing, giving offerings in the New Testament church. And Larry testified that, you know, they, he and Sister Karen had to learn this. And everybody here who is a faithful tither had to learn this. You had to work this out on your own. You had, to, you had to look at it in the scripture, and then you had to look at your own life, and you had to say, now, God, what, what of this applies to me? And how can I see that worked out in my own heart and life? And give me the courage to begin to do so. There are three th arguments that I want to mention real quickly. Number, uh, this, I had put them out in random order. So this is the random order again, eight, seven, and one. Number eight was my spouse doesn't attend church. He or she will not let me or is not in agreement with tithing. That is a difficult situation, right? And you have to be very delicate, and you have to work that out. You have, to, you have to work that out on your own. But I do want to encourage you in this. If you and your spouse are not in agreement, and perhaps you're a homemaker, or perhaps you, your, your spouse is the primary breadwinner, you definitely have to be in agreement, right? And, and God, God sees and God knows. But I want to encourage you that whatever resources, though, that come to you, that you have the accessibility to, that maybe not belong to the, the family unit, then I want to encourage you to be faithful in that, right? Because oftentimes there's resources that come that's the family unit, but then there's oftentimes some resources that come to us individually, and you may not, be, you may not have, you may not have the, uh, the family right in your marriage or your relationship to be able to tithe or to give an offering off what comes in the family unit, but then I want to encourage you to take the next step of faith, right, of what God brought to you, right? But I'm telling you, I still believe God is faithful and will watch over you, and he sees the integrity of your heart. Number seven, I give faithfully, but not just, not just, or just not 10%. I do give faithfully, just not 10%. And that's kind of where I'm at. But why the 10%? Why that context? And I think that's, uh, we've, we've attached the, the, the tithe because we see it in the Old Testament as a principle that we emulate in the New Testament. Does that make sense? That's the 10%. The Bible says that you have to make up your own mind in this matter. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, you must be firmly or fully persuaded in your own mind. I've searched the Word of God and I function in this realm because I've been firmly and fully persuaded in my own mind based upon a biblical record or a biblical narrative. And I want to encourage you to do so as well. And number one, I barely make it now. I can't afford to tithe. And certainly that is something that perhaps every one of us have said at one particular time or another. Let me just encourage you in this. That means it demands faith. And it demands discipline. And it demands readjusting your life. But it's also going to take you to one of the purposes of the tithe that we're going to see here in just a little while. Which is to create a dependency upon God. Right? Isn't that where God wants us? Where we are dependent upon Him for His blessing, His favor, and His grace. And so I want to encourage you to stretch your faith. Stretch out and believe God. God does give us seed to sow and bread to eat, and he multiplies our seed sown. I want to take a few moments here just real quickly in this particular context and to just, uh, you know, kind of flip the script on you for just a moment. You know, one of the arguments that often people face and, and oftentimes thing that, that hinders their, uh, their reasoning for time, they don't like, that they either don't understand or they don't like where the resources or what the resources are used for. 
Some people, uh, in, in, their, in, their, in, their, in their willingness to come and hear the word of God or participate in a local church family, though, also then always want the pastor or the pastoral staff or whatever, their life and their livelihood to equate to their life and livelihood. And I'll tell you, in my personal opinion, and I haven't always been a pastor, so I can say this as a former layman who was also a deacon in a relatively large church in, in, in central Arkansas before I became a pastor, that you should not, in your prayer for someone or certainly for your pastors or your leaders, you shouldn't attempt to regulate someone to your level, whether you're up here or way down here. You should just pray that the biblical principles should be followed, right? And that you would follow those biblical principles, I've said this, and I am so thankful for the pastors that I have on staff with me here at the church, and you are blessed. I'm telling you, there's, there's, some of them are bald-headed, some of them got beards, and uh, they're ruggedly handsome, but I'm telling you, they're great guys. They are, and they lead their families well, and they're, they're, they're uniquely involved in your life and in this church family, and they're passionate about this community. And one of the things that we're going to see in just a little while, one of the primary reasons for the tithe is for the livelihood of ministry. And I'm telling you, you should never be thinking anything ill towards your pastors. You shouldn't be like, well, you know, okay, well, I'm going through a tough time, so I pray that the, 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 the tithing pool dries up so that Brother JoJo goes through a tough time. That shouldn't be in your mindset. You may have never admitted that, but sometimes we have skewered thinking, right? And, and sometimes, again, you want to regulate. When you want to pull somebody down to the level that you're at, then I'm telling you, you're misplacing you're misplacing God's design for you, which is to lift people upward, right? And, and I believe in, in honoring the, the house of God and honoring men of God. And if I wasn't a pastor, if I was a layman, I'd be saying the same thing because it's a biblical principle that I've sold myself out to. Now, I want you to know this real quickly as a pastor. I have never walked through this church. I've never walked through this church and said, God, I pray that my church family loses their job this week. I pray that their car breaks down. I pray that they have unforeseen medical expenses that puts financial pressure upon them. I pray that they have trauma and trouble with their children and, and their, their grown children move back in with them and begin to take their retirement. And, uh, I don't pray that way for you. You know what I pray? You know how I pray for you? I pray, Father, you bless my church family. God, you make them the head and not the tail. God, you bless them abundantly. You pour out an abundance upon them. Let there be more than enough in their lives, God. God, I pray that you reward them for their faithfulness and faithfulness and giving in the name of Jesus Christ. Let others around them look at their lives and say, my God, whatever you got, I want. That's how I just want you to know. That's how I pray for you. Right? Well, then that's how you ought to pray for us. You ought to pray that God blesses us and rewards our faithfulness. You know, a lot of times that people form, these aren't in the notes, it's just from my heart. A lot of people form opinions based on ministry and uh, because they see abuses, especially nationally known media-related ministries. And they see abuses at that level. And somehow they associate all of us with those abuses that they observe. Let me tell you, for every one evangelist or pastor that's ever abused resources in the church, there's probably 1,000 or 10,000 that have sacrificed and have been faithful, gave up careers, gave up retirements, separated from their family, got on boats, went across the seas to be missionaries. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And they sacrifice, and God is faithful to watch over their sacrifice. 
So don't allow what you see happen in the media to make you think that everybody is soiled. Every, let me tell you, you got to trust the heart of ministry. You, if you can't trust the heart of ministry, don't go to that church. Don't be a part of that church. If you think that that church, if you think that I'm here because I can't get another job. I'm just being honest. I just felt like I should because I felt like I ought to go against arguments. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm oftentimes courageous enough to address the issues that people might think but won't say. Right? And, and, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of pastors that, that we're, not, we're not in the ministry because we don't have an ability to work outside of the church. Many times, God takes us out of other careers, other places where we've been prosperous. Because if we were faithful there, God's made us faithful here. Right? I was in the military for nine years. JoJo worked at Walmart for 10 years, and he was promoted in his job, and I was promoted faster than the normal process in the military. The blessing of God that was on me there was the blessing that I brought with me into ministry, right? I'm just thankful that God, so again, what I want you to do as a believer is I want you to have confidence. I want you to have confidence when you give in tithes and offerings that it's not being abused or misused, right? But as pastors, we want to be blessed just like everybody else, Oh, wow, y'all shouted me down on that point right there. But we do. Come on, somebody. Right? We, we want to walk in blessing. You want to walk in blessing. We desire to walk in blessing. And I tell you what, we had to go through a learning curve. Let me tell you how what we had to do. And it was difficult. When we first went into the ministry, we became dependent upon other people's faithful or even benevolent giving to the church for our resources. Let me tell you, that's difficult to do. To adapt to that and because when you're used to when you're used to working hard and and seeing a reward and knowing that you've got abilities and knowing that you have an ability to work and be prosperous or you have an ability to manage a, a, a company or whatever the case might be and then all of a sudden you become dependent on somebody walking it might be a retired lady right on a fixed income and she's faithfully bringing her tithe and putting it in this and that's providing your car payment or that's providing your house payment. Or that's helping you put a pair of tennis shoes on your children. So we had to go through a dying process. And in doing so, here's what we had to learn. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. The Bible says this, God has ordained. God has ordained. That's what I had to learn. This, is, this was here before I got here. And it'll be here after I'm gone. It was in the heart and the mind of God. I didn't create this system. God did. God has ordained that those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And once you begin to accept it, then you arrive at the place, you say, I never want to abuse it. I never want to put a coercion upon my church family. But I want to show them principles that can cause liberty in their lives and that we can learn to celebrate one with the other, right? I want you to learn to celebrate your giving. And sometimes you have to see this. Part of your giving is our receiving, as pastors and leaders, and we celebrate it. We're thankful for jobs. We're thankful for salaries. We're thankful for the resources that are provided for us through your faithfulness and giving. But let me say this. You didn't design the system either. God hath ordained. God hath ordained that those that preach the gospel live of the gospel. Paul said, if we've sown into you our spiritual gifts, is it wrong that we reap your carnal blessings?
But I'm telling you as pastors, we had to learn this. And we had to learn to accept it. And so today, let me tell you, you may be here on a fixed income. And you may have walked down this to this front. And you may be a widow. And you may be 93 years old. And you have a very limited resource. But you put your tithe and offering in that basket. I'm telling you, I learned in my heart to say, God bless you. And I learned to not tell you no. You know, there's a part of me that would be human reasoning that would say, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do the human reasoning. No. But you know what? I learned to say, no, you can't outgive God. I'm telling you, you're being faithful. Who am I to tell you not to function according to the plan of God for your life? Who am I to tell you not to step out in faith? And say, God, you see, you saw a widow put two mites into a container. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody who came out of her abundance. So who am I to stand in your way between being, being faithful and obedient to God? Right? Let me go a little bit farther in here today and just kind of share with you some of the things that I... You know what motivates me? Can I just tell you about this? You know, I know what the big argument that people have is New Testament. Is there tithing in the New Testament? I told you last week... Jojo, I mean, this is crazy. You can go online, and people have given entire sermon series to try to talk people out of tithing, to try to teach them, and to, then to try to make anybody that teaches the principle of tithing as if we're in heresy. And you know what? I stand against that today. Let me tell you what motivates me. I'm going to tell you why I believe in the tithe. Can I tell you that just real quickly, and I can just connect you to it? You say, Pastor, you're trying to influence me. Absolutely. Yes, you say, Pastor, you want me radical like you? Absolutely. Do you want me rejoicing and having a smile on my face uh, the way you do? Yes, absolutely. Do you mean you don't want me in the mully grubs whining and complaining and moaning and groaning? I'm, no, I want you living life with joy and hope. I want you to offer your tithes and your offerings knowing that God watches over you. Come on, and I say that out of a testimony. I say that from a testimony of a man that raised six children in the hill country of north central Arkansas on a pastor's salary, and I saw God. I saw his blessing, and I saw his favor. I saw him change me and change my perspective, and I learned to grow. I learned because you got to learn if you're faithful in the small things. See, some of you have never progressed to anything else because you've never shown faithfulness. See, I learned. I've told this testimony before, but you know, when, when the most difficult moment that I ever had as a pastor financially was when I was standing in a line uh, for snow cones uh, at Silver Dollar City. Y'all have heard me share that testimony in days gone by because it took every dollar for us to get, you go through the gate with eight people. It's $400 for us to just walk through the gate at Silver Dollar City. And, uh, and you say, well, pastor, you shouldn't have had so many children. Yeah, but I got six retirement accounts. I don't know about you. And so I can still remember standing there that day and kind of having to count the resources and think and ponder because all the kids wanted a snow cone. And, you know, a snow cone at Silver Dollar City is like $17. I can't remember how much it was. But, but I was trying. I was sitting there thinking, and something shifted inside of me. I'll never forget it. Something shifted. I had a little bit of holy indignation at that moment. And I said, God, this is not right. Because I see people all around me that have a resource and they have a blessing and they've got resources for their family. And I'm preaching the gospel. I've dedicated my life. I've left career to go and to preach the gospel. It's not right. And you know what had to change? Before my situation had to change, my perception had to change. 
And so I went back to Shirley Maranatha Assembly, and I began to walk through the church, and I began to, I began to bind curse. I began to bind the curse of poverty and, 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 and all the things in the mindset, and I began to pull it down in the name of Jesus. And I began to say, God, you bless me. Father, you prosper me and let resources. And again, I learned this. If you can be faithful in $10, you can be faithful in $100. If you can be faithful in $100, you can be faithful in $1,000. You can be faithful in $1,000, then you can be faithful in $10,000. If you can be faithful in $10,000, you can be faithful over $100,000. Well, let me just go one farther. I haven't gone there yet, but maybe one day. If I can be faithful over $100,000 of resources that have been committed to the church that I pastor, then I can be faithful over a million dollars. I've learned it's all just a zero on the other end. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? And so you've got to learn these things as well. You've got to grow and arrive at the place and say, God, I'm trusting you to bless my life and reasoning, especially the young adults that are here in this church family today, especially the young adults. You're sitting amongst many that are the older, more mature saints today, church family. They've learned this. They've proven this. They've proven God's faithfulness. So I want to encourage you today. Young adult, let these things get down in your heart. So you say, Pastor, what's your motivating factor to believe in the tithe? Can I just tell you this? I've, you know, you've heard me say this many times, but I believe. You say, well, Pastor, that's in the Old Testament. I know that. But the Bible tells us to learn from the Old Testament. Doesn't it? Right? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't the Bible say all Scripture is given by inspiration of God? Doesn't the Bible say in Romans 15 and 4 that these things were written, that aforetime were written for our learning? Right? So aren't we supposed to go to the Old Testament and gain principles of truth and life and faith and favor and blessing and ask God to reveal things to us? One of the things that motivates me is I believe that as a Gentile believer, what does that mean? I mean, I was not born of Jewish heritage. Were you born of Jewish heritage? I don't know if we have any Jews among us. If you were not born of Jewish heritage, then that would be under that context, Jew and Gentile makes you a Gentile. But I believe that when Christ on the cross gave his life's blood, the Bible says he took of two and made one new man. And I believe that the Gentiles joined their faith with the believing Jews and that I became an heir of faith, that I became a descendant of Abraham by faith. That I'm a son or a daughter of Abraham today. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? I am. I don't live in Israel and, and, and you know, and, and all that. I, you don't either. But I'm telling you what, I've been grafted into the olive tree. <laughs> Hallelujah today. I'm telling you, if an enemy came upon me, I'd ask for the strength of Samson. Because I've been grafted into the olive tree. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If a lion came up out of the darkness, I'd say, God, David killed the bear and the lion. Why? See, because I've been grafted into the olive tree. So if I would pray those prayers and believe God for a similarity of their experiences to be woven out into my faith and be lived out in my faith, then why would I not follow one of the greatest patterns of faithfulness that I see in the Word of God, and that is the giving of tithes and offerings? Does that make sense at all? Here's what ancient Israel was charged with. When they went first into the land, there might not have been currency. But they had produce. They had agriculture. They had animals. They had uh, they had, you know, vineyards. They had trees. And the scriptures told them to bring all the tithe of whether it be uh, the fruit of the land or whether it be the stock or the animals of the field. It doesn't matter. Bring it in. 
They brought it into the temple year by year. Every third year, they didn't take it to the temple. They gave it to the priests that lived in the gate in which they dwelt because the, the, the Levites were scattered amongst them. The Levite didn't have any land. He was not allowed by the Mosaic law to own land. So he didn't have land to farm. He was dependent upon someone else. So I see that principle. That's why I believe in the tithe, the 10th percent. I don't think it ends right there, do you? Right? I just see that as a beginning place, a starting point. Even if you're learning to do this for the very first time, that's where you begin to say, that becomes your goal. Right? That's when you say, and let me say this. As I, as I close in a few moments, let me say this. When I close, I'm going to show you blessings of reciprocation that God's promised to all of us in giving tithes and offerings. Right? Right, those, of those blessings. But let me say this. The blessings of heaven and the favor of God and your ability to prosper in this world is not just dependent upon tithes and offerings. We all have to, be, we have to learn to be faithful stewards of our resources. We can't live foolishly. We can't live out in debt and signing over every credit card. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then come down and expect God to just suddenly bail us out because we've had, as the Scripture says, riotous living. We've got to live a disciplined life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And then we trust the Lord to watch over and to bless us. And so I, my, my desire is to influence you. And I want to show you a couple things, and then I'm going I'm to connect to the purpose of the tithe. And I'll be watchful of the time. It's 1146. I know I don't have much more time, but you got to stay there. I want to show you something, and I may not even get to turn there for the sake of time. But when we went to Israel, can I tell you of an experience that happened to us in Israel that was kind of really, it was really impacting I don't know if Joe, I know Joe remembers it, but Jojo, when we went, we went, Jojo and Shane, we went to the place that was called the, uh, the Center for Relationship Between Christians and Jews. And it was near to Bethlehem. We didn't get to go to Bethlehem because that's under uh, Palestinian control, but it's near to Bethlehem. We drove past the Valley of Ella where David fought Goliath that day. I saw the sign. I was so excited because I preached about David and Goliath so many times. And I thought, I'm so near to that where David took the stone and killed the giant. And while there, we, we heard from two rabbis, one younger and one older, that taught us how Jews study the Word of God, especially when they're confronted with a passage of Scripture that they lack understanding on, or they don't understand it, especially if there's a word in there in the Hebrew that they don't understand. One of the things that they do, real quickly, is he said, what we do to, to try to understand this text in its greater clarity is to then go back to the original language and find other passages where that same Hebrew word is used. And then as we see that, how it's used, and we see and we can kind of get a, an overall usage of the word, then that might bring revelation to the passage that we're at. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you at all? Just real quickly. Well, I got to thinking about that. About Many people argue with the reasoning that why didn't Paul address the tithe? Why didn't in the New Testament epistles, Daryl, why didn't he address the tithe? Why didn't he just say, you need to tithe? Well, I'm going to tell you two things real quickly in response to that. If you'll use, if you'll pay attention to the language that he used. Paul was a Jew, and number one, he used familiar similes or familiar metaphors that were associated with the tithe. Let me give you an example of this. In the book of Leviticus, it says, bring all the seed and all the fruit as your tithe. Paul said when he wrote in 2 Corinthians, God gives you seed to sow. He gives you bread to eat. He multiplies your seed sown, and he increases the fruit 
of your righteousness, all right? Then there's another passage of Scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, only for the sake of time, and I had them put all these Scriptures up there, and I may not just go for the sake of time. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's two passages of Scripture where Moses said that if you're faithful in this area, you know what God's going to do? He's going to bless all that you set your hand to do. Now, I don't know about you. I have prayed that prayer many times. Have you prayed that prayer? My God, did you know you were praying a prayer that was tied to the Mosaic law when you did? When you said, God, would you bless me as I set my hand? You might have been building a house or you might have been working at your factory and you've said, God, bless me in this new endeavor that I'm going through. Did you know that that exhortation was given? It was connected to the tithe in Deuteronomy 12 and Deuteronomy chapter number 14. But then when you read 2 Corinthians chapter number, uh, chapter number 9, the apostle Paul uses almost the same language that says, God will bless you in every good work. Now, the apostle Paul is a Jew who's been taught from the earliest days about using metaphors and similes that are related to biblical or biblical truth in the Old Testament as he's writing the New Testament. So it's my belief that without telling us the tithe, he went into the principle of the tithe. He went into those, those uh, metaphors that were associated with the tithe, and he brought them out and applied it in the New Testament epistles. Secondly, one of the reasons why in my personal belief, and I'm just trying to help you in my contemplations, why the Apostle Paul didn't just write and tell the New Testament church to tithe is this right here, is because the temple was still in existence in those days. Paul was already accused by the Jews. Paul was already being accused of the Jews of teaching Jews not to obey the customs of their fathers or to obey the law of Moses. And if he would have said, take your tithe and give it to the New Testament, church instead of to the temple he would have come under strong reproof but he let that system phase its way out right it became obsolete god brought in the new testament church and now those metaphors just like we look back to we look back and we read and we glean and we understand that god blesses us as we apply those principles does that make sense today let me just share this with you here and i'm gonna begin to close because y'all just really shot me down today. But I'm preaching good anyhow. I am. I'm preaching good. I want you to hear this. This can, this can alter your life. I can guarantee you that Brother Larry, based upon his testimony, has never, doubt, has never um, regretted a day in his life where he brought the tithe and the offering before God. There are many senior saints among us, young, young adults, that they have, they, have been, they have been faithful through the highs and the lows and the ups and downs of life to continue to bring their tithes and offerings. And if you were to ask any of them, would they take it back? They would say, no, they wouldn't take it back. One of the things that I want to tell you today real quickly before I just give you some bullet things to close on that I think are very, very exciting today is that you've got to learn to celebrate the tithe beyond just the promise of reciprocation. Now, it's a powerful thing to celebrate reciprocation. You know what reciprocation is, right? It goes one way and then it comes this way, right? We, and us, us carpenters call it a reciprocating saw. And so well, you know that when you give, you're expecting a reciprocation, right? Aren't you, right? But I want you to know, don't, don't tie your celebration to reciprocation. Learn to celebrate beyond it. Re learn to just celebrate that there's resources that are provided for pastors. Learn to celebrate that there are resources to provide a facility that we can worship together in. Learn to celebrate that there are resources to provide uh, not only 39 families food boxes, but 43 or 44 food boxes. 
in one day or, or the resources that Jojo had in a benevolent account to be able to assist people when they came to him and said, I, I, I'm at a really difficult time. And if, if he's got resources, he's able to help. So just learn to celebrate that, right? And I'm telling you, God sees your heart and sees your need. God already knows what you have need of. So let me just say this. You say, well, again, I told you last week what are the purposes of the tithe. My whole message was tied to this. And I'm going to get you out of here within the next 10 minutes. So before you all start disconnecting, give me just a couple moments. I shared with you last week one of the purposes of the tithe was to connect you to corporate worship. Everybody needs a church family. Everybody needs a central location, a central sanctuary, a people, a pastor, parishioners that we're connected to. And that was one of the main purposes of the tithe. And I showed you that carefully in the Word of God. Number two, one of the main purposes of the tithe is to create personal discipline. Because we need to show discipline before God. And then also to create dependency upon God. Right? God has the ability to bless your life, but He does want you dependent upon Him. Lord God, why hast Thou sent me? Can I say that again? God wants you dependent upon Him. Are you dependent upon yourself? No. You're dependent upon God. You're dependent on God to give you the ability to do your job and to do it well. You're dependent upon God to bring resources into your life. You're dependent upon Him to bless you. And you've learned part of that through the tithing. One of the scriptures, had we put it on the screen today, would have been this right here. He said, when you bring the tithe, this is in Deuteronomy 14, it said that you may learn to fear the Lord, that you may learn to reverence God, that you may learn to honor Him as God, that you may learn that, God, in you I live, in you I move, and in you I have my very being. God, I don't own anything. You own all things. I'm just a steward of what you've committed into my life. And so why, who am I not to obey the word of God? Who am I to not challenge my faith? God, who am I not to sacrifice as others have sacrificed? But who am I also not to call upon the name of the Lord when I'm in need and to trust that God is faithful? Let me tell you, if you think you've been faithful, you dim in comparison to his faithfulness. Number three, ministry support. I've already talked about it. But one of the purposes primarily of the tithe in the Old Testament and also your New Testament giving is pastor support. And I want you to smile. Right? When, 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 when pastors are blessed, I want you to rejoice the way we rejoice when you're blessed. And facilities, we've chosen to worship collectively. We have to have a facility benevolence and other ministries and as also have been stated that you may learn to fear that you may learn to reverence you have to grow in your understanding you have to grow in your knowledge paul told timothy he said timothy he said you uh, should be the first to partake of the harvest he said and may the lord give you understanding in these things god has to open our understanding to these things but let me say this let me go back to as i get ready to close here today let me say this about we're not like other gentiles we live life differently. We live life in an expectation and a faith that there's an invisible God who watches over us. Our lives are a model of His grace in our lives. Our lives are a representation of the person of Christ Jesus who came and died on the cross of Calvary and then sent His Holy Spirit into our hearts. And now Christ lives in us. Paul said, the life that I now live, I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave Himself for me. I am what I am by the grace of God. 
Right, church family? And so today, we live our life with an expectation. Other people look at you, and they may see you in plight, and yet you still come, and you write out that check, or you put an offering in an envelope, and they may say, you're foolish. But I'm telling you, the Bible says God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty. And I'm telling you, we live a different way, a different life, and a different mindset. We serve an invisible God whose visible power is made known unto us on a regular basis. And I'm grateful for his power today. As I close this morning, I told you last week I was going to share with you certain promises that are related to the tithe. And I'm just going to let these be a celebration. I'm telling you, I want to encourage you. Will you all promise me to study? Well, Lord Jesus, (laughs) hallelujah, thank God. I want y'all to know I love y'all way more than y'all's response to my preaching. I do. If I base my, you know, my spiritual well-being on your response, I tell you, I'd have to call for therapy. But I don't. I'm going to take it that I give you so much information. You're often on information overload. And it takes all week to process it. Right? I know as a pastor that I give you a lot of principles. But I'll tell you what. I believe in these principles. I've submitted my life to them. I've passed these to people that are around me, younger men that are in ministry with me. I've passed them to my children and one day to my children's children. Right? And I do hope to influence you. I hope to, if you're not giving tithes and offerings, you know what I do? I hope that you look more closely at it. I hope that you study. I hope that you say, God, God I hope that you begin to see things the way that we see. Let me give you promises as we close today real quickly. These are promises, you say, and I'm telling you, these are amazing promises. First in the Old Testament, but now remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Can I just drop these out as nuggets before we close today? Ezekiel 44.30 said that if you will bring the first fruits of all your dough, I just love that one. I don't know. That does more for me than it does for you. I don't know. If you'll bring the first fruits of all your dough to the priest, it said that the priest would cause the blessing to rest on your house. Right? That means that I have an anointing in my life as a pastor to speak blessing over my church family. And a part of it is tied to your faithfulness and giving. Number two, and look at this, that the blessing might be on your house. Number two, Deuteronomy 12 and 28 says that it may go well with thee. I'm telling you, that means that your whole mindset could change in life. If you understand that God is watching over you and he's going to turn everything for your good. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That it may go well with thee. I'm telling you, that'll wipe away, right, all sorrow and travail because you know God's going to work all things out. How many of you know it's like, a, it's like a chessboard with God? He always wins, right? And he may move this, this, and this, but when it's all said and done, somebody's going to get crowned. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, church family. It says also in Deuteronomy that the Lord may bless you in all the work of your hand. Man, I tell you, I learned that years ago, and I started praying you know, I built two houses with my own hands, and I wasn't a carpenter. Do you know what I did? I prayed and said, God, you said you would bless the work of my hand. Oh, let me go further. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Thy barn shall be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst with new wine. That means your barn. Listen, that's a celebration. That means a harvest. That's a reward. Malachi 3 and 10, Larry quoted it earlier. I'll read it from you. There are at least five promises connected to the tithe in Malachi 3. God said, I'll open you the windows of heaven. 
and I will pour you out a blessing upon your life that there shall not be room enough to receive it. My God, you ought to run on that right there. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. I didn't make that up. God said that to the people of Israel, and the principle of that applies to your life. God said, I'll pull open the window of heaven so I can shower blessings upon you and your family. The scripture then says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, the very thing that led to the testimony. God made a way. So the spider mite was devouring the crop, so God brought another pestilence along the way that devoured the spider mite and let the crop live. God can work all things together for your good, right? It's not just that somebody's going to walk up and give you a $1,000 check next week and solve all your financial resource or problems. It, it, but I'll tell you what it is, is that God begins to move things on your behalf. As you trust in him and you have a confidence in him. And it said here that he then would, uh, he said he would rebuke the devourer he, and the devourer would not destroy the fruit of your ground. I mean, every now and then you got to get angry and just say, I'm sorry, devil, only this far thou shalt go. You know, Jesus let him go only so far, push him so far. And then finally he said, you better, you better get thee behind me, Satan. Right? That's what we do to the devourer. Sometimes you find yourself in those financial distress seasons of life and you say, that's okay. Paul said, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound or I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. I know how to do all things through Christ. But then when you begin to discern that there's a devil behind this thing and it's not just the ups and downs of life and the enemy's coming in to try to steal your joy, right, because of your financial situation, that's when you say, no, excuse me, Satan, you've gone too far and we rebuke the devourer. And then it says, neither shall your vine cast its fruit before the time. Well, again, God is a God of timing, and God can make things come to maturation at the appropriate time. He said, all nations will call you blessed, and you shall be a delightsome land. How many know those are powerful promises? As y'all stand up with me today, those are powerful promises that are bound in the Word of God. Come on, even though you say, well, Pastor Brown, that's the Old Testament, and, you know, we're New Testament Christians, and, and so that's right. I'm going to tell you about promises that are based upon, the Scripture says we have a new covenant that's based upon better promises. I don't know about you. You say, well, can it get better? It can get better. It can get even better than that. 2 Corinthians 9 says, if you sow bountifully... Hello, somebody, you're going to reap bountifully. Did you hear that, church family? That's not from Malachi or Hezekiah or Isaiah or Jeremiah. That's a New Testament epistle written to the New Testament church that if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. It also said God's going to make all grace abound towards you. My God, God's going to make all grace abound. Abound. That means I'm going to walk in the favor of God all my life. My God, I'm going to live my life in favor. He said, you're going to become all sufficient in all things. Look at this. Because you're going to abound to every good work. Isn't that a confidence in life? Just knowing. God somehow, when I need wisdom, God gives it. When I need knowledge, he gives it. When I need relationship help, God gives me, right? If I need, God just finds a way. I become sufficient in all things and I abound in every good work. Three more. He said, you will be enriched in everything. You will be enriched. Did you know the word enriched? In the Greek, the original language of the New Testament means you'll be wealthy in all things. 
You'll be, come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? You'll be wealthy in all things. You know, and, and so church family, you, even when you are, uh, so to speak, at the low end of the totem pole on the job, you know, you're not the owner of the factory. You're not the supervisor of the factory. Uh, you just got hired last week at the factory. But you know what? You can still abound and be enriched in every good thing. Right? Philippians 4.11 says, you will, fruit will abound to your account. Did you hear that? Did you know that God keeps a record? Did y'all hear that? Now, some of that reward is awaiting us in eternity. Right? He keeps an account. Now, listen, people, I don't make this up. Philippians 4.17, Paul said, I'm not telling you this to get a gift from you. He said, I'm telling you this, that fruit may abound to your account. So God said, okay, mm-hmm, I see. During a difficult time right here, JoJo's got 17 children, and he's had, not, but he was still faithful. I, but he was still faithful right there. God, and I'm telling you, when God takes notice of, see, God can seal it up, and then when he later wants to open it up, he'll open it up. And he'll pour out a blessing. My goodness gracious, alive. I could run right there at that. Right there. And lastly, here's what I'm going to close with. And I'm going to close with this right here with you here today. Real quickly. The most often and it's the most misquoted scripture as it relates to giving in the New Testament. God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Now that's a great thing to celebrate at. But if you put it in its context, it's tied to your giving. That's the truth of it right there. Where did the need come from that he talked about? Where did the need come from that Paul is saying God will meet and supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus? Not through foolish living, but through faithful giving. That when you are faithful every week, every month, or whenever God blesses you, it creates need in your life. And when it creates need in your life, go back to reciprocation, then God says, I'll meet your need according to your riches, to his riches in glory. Not in the American economy, right? Not in uh, presidential elections, right? Come on. But in glory by Christ Jesus. In glory by Christ Jesus. Does that make sense to y'all today? So today, let me tell you, I believe in the purpose of the tithe. But I also believe in the promises associated with the tithe, right? I'm unashamed to stand up here and encourage you to tithe because I believe you were grafted into the olive tree, right? And as ancient Israel was to a degree, so are we in this earth, and we can walk in blessing. Our heads are bowed, eyes closed for just a moment of time. I know I've gone into overtime, and I cannot apologize, but I just thank God today. For a privileged opportunity to be in this house. And I want to I pray today, God, in the name of Jesus. For the men and women that have been such a, uh, uh, a willing, uh, listening audience today to hear the word of God. First of all, first of all, the people under the sound of my voice that have proven you through their faithfulness and giving. God, that we, we share.